Welcome to Jackman Radio. I am your host, Mike Jackman, and I'm very excited tonight, very honored. We are joined by Justin Spencer from Recycled Percussion in Chaos and Kindness, a New Hampshire legend, a great guy, giving back, doing great things in New Hampshire. Justin, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's uh, This is the first time I've done one of these. Uh, I don't usually spend a lot of time doing podcasts, and certainly not video podcasts, so uh, I'm looking forward to having a great conversation with you both. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. And uh, um, one of the things I wanted to touch on tonight, just right off the bat, I think it's so important given the last year and a half, what everyone's gone through. Um, and you, you just you connect with people on this. You have a, a mental health podcast called Crush the Fuck. And you just get on there and you just talk about how you're feeling and, you know, what you're hearing from other people and what they're going through. How did that all come about? Well, I mean, mental health has been a, a big part of my life as an individual and being diagnosed with panic disorder in my, uh, my late teens and, of course, suffering from ADHD uh, early on made it really difficult for me to have a traditional education growing up. And panic disorder was something that really uh, changed the course of my life forever. And it's something I've learned to overcome, something I've learned to manage and actually turn uh, that into a, a positive. And my ADHD has become a very uh, utilized weapon for me, my success. So I just always kind of felt like the need to try to inspire other individuals to understand that uh, their mental health, um, their obstacles, their trials and tribulations are absolutely overcomable. And I, I sympathize to a large degree with those who um, who deal with chemical imbalances of any kind. So I just naturally uh, just I've always gravitated towards wanting to make that difference. This is something that it's not new to me. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's really where, where the passion comes from is my own personal experiences. Absolutely. And a recent one that you did, you talked about uh, dealing with toxicity and, you know, people who have toxic energy and uh, not feeling guilty or being afraid to try and cut that out of your life. And I, I think that's important um, because, you know, the, the age we live in now with social media and, um, you know, dealing with people in your everyday life, it's, it can be an energy suck. It can be a real yeah, energy suck. Yeah, people, people can really fuck your life up uh, in, in a lot of different ways. And it's very easy uh, to allow that to happen because it's very hard for us as individuals to eradicate somebody uh, from your life who is a negative energy. And uh, it's something that's a work in progress for me all the time, but I'm very conscious of it, right? So I'm very conscious of how people, what people's energy is around me. And it really, um, for me, I've just learned to really kind of ignore it. And it's a big thing for a lot of individuals. When you look at a lot of the decisions that people make in their lives that ultimately um, are not decisions that they necessarily want to make. They make it on behalf of somebody else because they want to impress somebody else. They're afraid of somebody else's judgment. Um, and that can be really toxic for sure, uh, especially to one's happiness. And ultimately, you know, um, I think a lot of us are, aren't greedy enough in our own needs and our own desires. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a greed. I would call it an awareness and, and, and you know, toxicity, being aware of that from other people and, and energy. I'm sure as you found Justin going all over the world and meeting people and fans and performing and stuff, energy is a real thing. What, what people throw energy at you, the energy you want to respond and give back. So I think that's a big part of it too. You know, reading, reading energy and, and feeling a reciprocal energy from people that you actually want to be in your life. Yeah. I think it, the, the key element you spoke on there is that it's important how you, uh, how you deal with that, right? Because people are going to people are going to come at you no matter what you what you have in life, and it's a matter of 
how you handle that. Um, and this happens uh, on the micro. It happens daily to us in small ways. Uh, and it certainly can happen to us uh, in the macro where maybe uh, it's an individual or a circumstance. Maybe it's, uh, you, you, know, uh, you know, a diagnosis of something that becomes uh, a difficult, you know, medical condition to get over. Or maybe it's maybe it is personal where you're dealing with uh, the separation of an important relationship uh, or the loss of somebody or, you know, I mean, or the micro it can happen on a daily basis. It can be somebody just spewing shit about you on social media uh, or something in the workplace saying a backhanded comment or jealousy and judgment within your own circle. All those things can absolutely lead to you to that to me. Are all Those are all things that, well, there are some of them are um, avoidable uh, and some aren't. But either way, nonetheless, the result is the same. And how do you handle that as an individual is really the key. The key component, the important part of this whole thing. Yeah, definitely. And 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 seeing your trajectory, Justin, the last uh, twenty plus years, just a little anecdote. We actually we saw you perform at our high school back in the day huh. at Pratt Auditorium in Kona High School. Do you remember that? Yes, ja yeah, ja a long ja time ago, Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. Back and when our recycled percussion first started, I mean, that's how we cut our teeth. Uh, we would come play in all the elementary schools, the middle schools, high schools. Uh, you know, 200 bucks here, 300 bucks there, uh, whatever we could do to get by. Uh, but really all those shows, those thousands of shows that we played uh, over the course of over a decade really kind of shaped us to prepare us uh, for what was yet to come in our lives, uh, of course, in Las Vegas. And, and now uh, as we continue to get bigger and bigger, and we're still, our trajectory is still very much uh, ascending. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and I think it's beautiful. It's it's a it's a New Hampshire success story, and the entire time you've never forgot your roots. I mean, you decided to come back to New Hampshire and open up the store, the, the Chaos and Kindness store in Laconia in 2019, um, and now this year you've opened up in Keene amid a pandemic. And uh, you know, just talk a little bit about that. Trying to, you know, have a business but also be, you know, you know, conscious of what's going on and and, and you know the the environment and, and what people are dealing with. So, um, I feel my strong suit is business. Okay. So, um, I'm a very smart individual as it relates to, to business. I understand business. I've, you know, I, I've made our bands made millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars and been very successful. And it's not because we're the best drummers in the world. It's because we, really under, we understand marketing. The other side of that is that I also have this incredible empathetic side of myself and this really strong desire, being someone who grew up in a trailer park, being somebody who grew up not having a lot. I was a food stamp baby, a lot of domestic violence, a lot of alcoholism. I didn't have an easy childhood. So I naturally gravitate towards wanting to help individuals or I also love the impossible. So when I opened up two retail stores in the last 18 months, the first one was in Laconia, New Hampshire. The next one was in Keene, New Hampshire. Both of these places are not retail hotbeds. These are not places that typically you would invest the kind of money that I've invested into the to business, okay? You would build, you you know, if you're going to New Hampshire, you might try Portsmouth uh, or Manchester or some border towns like Nashua or Salem. that are a lot more predicated, um, you know, or North Conway on retail. But I love the challenge. I love the communities. And we and I really try to see that Laconia is not, is not a very affluent area, but the people are great. And Keene, is not the sprawling metropolis of retail, but the main streets have this vibe to it. It's just, this, it's just cool. So for me, um, it was not about selling out. And to, and to touch on your earlier point about us going back to our roots and staying, uh, I mean, when you do it the way we've done it, right? So we're not an overnight success story. It's taken us 27 years. I've been playing drums since I was two and I'm 44. Uh, 
the amount of work that we've put in, we are one of the true, true artists who have climbed. I mean, we were eating ramen noodles, man, for a decade. I mean, we've paid our dues to get what we've had. And when you do that, you really have um, this grassroots soul that wants to always remember your fans and just we really connect with with people that want to, you know, um, that are in our ecosystem. And we're very, we're very, very thankful for those individuals. And I think our fans understand that. Yeah, we're brash. Yeah, we're, we, we can come across as arrogant. We do crazy things. But at the core, I mean, um, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you on a Friday night uh, if, I didn't, if I didn't want to connect with people and, 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 uh, and uh, share whatever I can to share to people to maybe inspire them. I do this because it's a passion of mine. Uh, there's certainly no money in this, right? You're not paying me to be here. I'm doing this because I love to do it. I love to make a difference. So um, I'm very proud of the fact that I'm that way, and I'm very proud of the fact that the rest of the people in my band and in my team are equally that way. It's beautiful, and, and I really appreciate it, Justin. And, and I, I and I'm telling my audience and all my friends, you are you're the real deal. I mean, you are the real deal, warts and all. You go on there, you do your live streams, you do these public appearances. You can see your freaking heart on your sleeve, man. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Um, you did something recently that really, really touched me. You went and did a did a a, a small performance for a fellow who's dealing with with terminal cancer. And I, I watched that video. I lost my father to cancer. And it's it was just freaking beautiful, man. And, it, and you went and saw him at his job, which he still has to work while battling cancer. And and that's shit like that, man. That that's it. That's everything. Yeah. First, Eric and Mike. Sorry about your dad. Um, so, thank you. Yeah, I was at thank I was you. at the convenience store, um, and it's about thirty five miles from my house. And the lady approached me and she said, she works there. She goes, hey, there's a big fan of yours who works the store here. His name's Jim. And uh, he has terminal cancer. Uh, he's never met you guys. He watches all your episodes. And I said, I'll come back anytime in the next couple of weeks. You send me his work schedule and I'll bring the whole band in. And it's not, that shit fucking pumps me up. Like if I, if like how much of an asshole would I be if I only took and, re, you know, if I just took all the, the, the praise and didn't reciprocate that into acts of kindness, meaning, let me, very, let me very, be very clear about this. Jim is dying of cancer. Jim is going to work and he's got months to live. He's working a gas station for 15 bucks an hour, right? He's a huge fan. Here I am every day. People, I love the things you do. You're amazing, all these things. What kind of asshole would be in my position would never think to go back and see that, that gentleman? I'm no better than Jim. My day's going to come. Your guys' day, one of you guys will get diagnosed with cancer someday or something like that. My day will come too, right? Nobody's any better than anybody else. So I fucking love that I have the ability to make someone's day. If just me showing up and playing drums for Jim, it took two hours of my life to go do that. If that makes his day or, or, or the, the end of his life that much sweeter or that much easier to handle, I'd be an asshole if I didn't do it because it'd be like, oh, just take, 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 take and give nothing back. So for me, I think that it's critical uh, and I'm very disappointed in a lot of my celebrity friends that don't 
go that extra mile that don't, I'm not saying they have to, that's up to them. I'm not judging them for it. Just kind of agitates because I'm like, man, the day that I walk out of my house and somebody doesn't ask me for a picture or says hi to me, that tells me I've done something wrong. Right, right now people want to meet me. They want to see me. And I'm very, very, very humbled by that. And that I wear that and it's important to me. So every fan I meet, I take a moment. What's your name? Hey, what's your kid's name? You guys going back to school? What's your favorite thing to do? It's not just like, it's, hey, you want a picture? Yeah, of course. Make sure it's the right picture. Because to me, it's a, it's a fucking honor that people care that much to even take a picture of me because I'm no better than anybody else. But the fact that they want to do it, I think I'd be an asshole if I didn't give it back. Yeah, it's fucking beautiful, man. You know, it was real and, and uh, you know, you don't uh, shy away from how harsh life can be and, and what can happen to people on any day, man. You get the news like that, you know, it comes at you out of nowhere any day of the week. So um, just stuff like that. And, um, you know, to, to go back to uh, you mentioned the Vegas residency. Uh, I remember I think the, when you guys did um, America's Got Talent, that was before the Vegas residency, right? Yeah, so America's that, that preceded talent. that. Yeah, America's Got Talent led us into Las Vegas. Yes, I, we were we were shouting for you back then. That was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, or two thousand nine. Yeah, two thousand nine. Man, it was so cool to, to to see you. You know, go from a um, I don't know. Do you call Goffstown your HQ originally, or or? Yeah, so the band started in Goffstown, and we have been touring for about nine years, colleges and around the country. Uh, but that, yeah, I mean, America's Got Talent. We finished third. Uh, and at that time, uh, it was out of 100,000-plus acts that auditioned that year. And at the time, it was season four. It was the highest-placing non-singing act in the history of the show. And we were the first real true act to bring big props, uh, big creative elements to America's Got Talent. And we really kind of set the tone. Uh, and for the next several years after that, we'd go back on America's Got Talent as celebrity performers. And then on top of that, Every time America's Got Talent had a tour or a Vegas residency, they'd have to bring us in to, 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 to play their shows because they really need us as an anchor. So that goes back to that 12 years of playing schools and colleges and high schools and just cutting our teeth. So when the time came, we were able to take advantage of that. Uh, but, yeah, so, the, I mean, really, uh, we then stayed in Vegas from 2009 to 2019. Uh, and the last year, the last two years, we've been back in New Hampshire. Awesome, yeah, that was that was so cool seeing you guys come back, and and uh, I think it was just a big boost for the state, man, to to open up a store in Laconia. And I remember you you guys put something out on Facebook. Uh, hey, we're looking for a couple bands, uh, preferably local, to open for us. And I sent my stuff in, and and Wendy got in touch with me, and we were one of the bands that opened for you guys, Northern Stone. Hey, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. That was that was a friggin' thrill of a lifetime, man, to be up on that stage with the recycled percussion banner behind us. And even at the opening set, there had to have been uh, probably five or 10,000 people. Cause I, I saw you, you guys pulled, you uh, came in on a boat and waved to everybody. This is before you performed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you came up on the boat and people were screaming and it was, and it was just like a, that type of energy, man. Just floating in like an arrogant prick, like on my boat, like, "Hey guys, I'm on my fucking yacht." <laughs> well, you're doing you're, you were doing the rock star thing, but with heart, but with heart. Yeah, yeah. You, you gotta, you have to have some oh, element of rock star, right? You gotta be flamboyant. You gotta be have some panache, and that's okay. It's okay. It's you totally know? needed. So, I mean, during the Vegas residency, Justin, what's the best part? The best part of Vegas to you and your experience, and what was the worst part of that? Uh, the worst part's easy for me. It was the redundancy. So we're doing 500 shows a year. Uh, wow. It's the same show. 
over and over and over. It's like fucking Groundhog's Day, right? Because <laughs> right. You're all, you're, you get up, you wake up, you drive down the strip, you get in the dressing room. And it's cool at the end, but after a while, it starts to get like, you get tunnel vision. So that was probably the most difficult part. Uh, you really get burnt out on it. Um, because you're supposed to love music and art, right? When you do it too much, too much of anything, you know. Uh, it becomes a job. It becomes yeah, a yeah. job. Uh, the best part of it um, was the challenge of competing with Blue Man Group, Circus Soleil, um, David Copperfields, and, you know, and, and shows of that, that level. That's some epic company. Wait, yeah, yeah. so, so you, yeah, these are big businesses. You, I'm making up a number, but 100,000 people get off a plane a weekend in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, 20,000 are going to go see shows. You've got two ways to figure out how to get them to your show. And right. I love that process. Um, you know, in that same philosophy, 10 years of doing that, um, you know, when we opened our show in Laconia, uh, our store in Laconia for Cast and Cats, we had 22,000 people at the opening. Uh, when we opened our store in Keene, I mean, we, the lineup for autographs was five hours long. Um, we've learned uh, how to, we, we know very much so that if you don't give people something worth seeing, they're not coming. And we learned that in Las Vegas. We have to bring value. Your podcast has to bring value. My podcast has to bring value. If you can bring value to people, you win. If you can bring value to people, you win. It's not about you, Mike. It's not about you, Eric. It's not about me. Can you bring those individuals value? And to me, I think ultimately that's how we were able to, to, to really learn a lot in Las Vegas was how can we create a show that when they leave, they go, that was worth my money, okay? And that required us to come out. Um, you know, I've got a massive chip on my shoulder. I've been told I couldn't do this my whole life. I, I, still, I still get told, tell, uh, told no all the time. I like it when I look at our daily sales. I like it better when we have a shitty day than when we have a good day. If I see a lot of sales, I'm like, ah, fuck, it's working. That sucks. It's when the shit is like, oh, nobody wants to buy my shit today? Okay, now we got, now let's get started. That means that, because that reminds me that one, I'm not that important. Number two, I'm replaceable. And more importantly, number three, I'm not bringing value to these people. So reinvent, reinvent, reinvent. That gets me up every single day. That's what drives me is when shit doesn't work, I want to be better at it. And, and I think that's a mindset that a lot of people don't really necessarily have. Um, and that's really what created the success in Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Mike and I grew up with a, a father who was a salesman, man. It was just always be closing, always be selling and promote and have something to offer to people, have a product that people want to consume and they feel good about and they like. And it, and it brings what my dad used to say, what's your value add, you know? What's yeah. the value add? And, you know, Mike and I have been entertained, Mike, Mike in music and myself in comedy and, and um, impersonations and political impressions. And I've had some success the last five years uh, being one of the best Donald Trump impersonators in the whole country. I've, I've been booked all over the country. I've been flown on planes. I've, I flew first class for a gig, for a corporate gigs. The guy in Chicago hired me and flew me for, I, I never in my life imagined I would fly first class to do this kind of stuff. So you're absolutely right. You have to have some kind of value for the consumer that they want, that they want to purchase. And you got to be con like always working on that and evolving the product for sure. Yeah, for sure. yeah I, I, a little I, I, bit I, I, of hubris too. You got to be that? hubris. You got to have a little bit of hubris, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Have, absolutely. 
I want to hear the impression. I, don't, I didn't know you do doing well, impressions. Well, ex excuse me, Justin. All right, first of all, in Recycled Percussion is an amazing band. Okay, they do incredible work. Justin's one of the greatest drummers I've ever seen. Look, Ringo's pretty good. I like Ringo Starr. I like Keith Moon. I like Trey Cool. I like the guy from The Who there, whatever his name was. Keith Moon. He was Keith Moon. I like I like <laughs> Keith Moon. But Justin Spencer is unbelievable. He's one of the greatest drummers who's ever lived. And he happens to be from the live free or die state, New Hampshire. So we love him. We do. We love him. <laughs> I, lo I love you, Justin. I think you're beautiful. You're tremendous. You do an amazing job. And what you did in Vegas was better than anything I ever did out there, quite frankly. <laughs> the, the best part is you're probably more qualified to be our president. So oh, definitely. Oh, Justin, I heard that. I heard that all over the country. People are like, "Wait, could you could you please stand in to be president, Eric?" I have a degree in political science, dude. I went to school for this shit. I I'm went not, to Frank. I'm not Judge David, but that guy's a clown. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah, of course he is. If you can't, la yeah, if you can't laugh about that, the orange face clown. But um, he's our clown. You know, it's it, it's been it's been surreal. So when people, I, obviously, I haven't had the level of success you've had, Justin. But when people hire you and pay you like a pretty good amount of money and f put you on planes and shit and fly you to places like you want to deliver for them. You don't want to, you don't want to mess it up and you want to have something that is, is it has value. And to these people, the entertainment is the value, the escape from reality. And when you're on stage and you're performing for a ton of people, man, there's just like no better feeling than that. Yeah. I mean, I've been exposed to my whole life really. So it's been it, 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 for a long time. I, you know, I don't, didn't know life without, so I mean I don't drink I don't do drugs but this but the the, the high I get from the crowd it's a drug a big thing oh and it wasn't and it wasn't until COVID you know that I that I realized like hey I'll fucking play for free anything at this point Jesus let's you, do you this. miss it you know I just want I just I want an audience I want an audience and and, and when you are literally you have a like a you you know this when you have a, 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 the most I ever performed for live was I did a show at Foxwoods um, and I think there was over what Mike over a thousand people there. Yeah, yeah, probably about that. And you have them hanging on your every word, and they're laughing, and, and like you're just controlling the whole thing, and it's energy, and it's give and take. That 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 is a drug, man. It's a huge high afterwards when you're all sweaty and you come off the stage, and the crowd's roaring. I mean, there's 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 nothing better than that. Absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. Justin, you did it. You, I think you, you did a tour in China. I've seen some of the footage. What was that size of that crowd in China? Would you, dude? There was that had to have been what, China, hundred thousand people or something like China, that. something ridiculous. <laughs> Something ridiculous. Yeah, when, did we, you, when did you go to China, Justin? Uh, we've been to China several times. Um, we did, our biggest crowd, we did China's Got Talent a long time ago, uh, about seven years ago. We did China's Got Talent, and live there was 90,000, and, and on TV, 700 million. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that, what was going on in your head, dude, when you were up there fucking... You're fucking banging uh, away, dude. You're like sweating. Yeah, the, the, there's no... There's no there's zero nerves, man. Like, I don't get nervous for keynotes. I don't get nervous for. Uh, I, I, I'm like, I'm in war mode, man. I just grew up with it. I just, I live for. It. I'm one of the few people that like runs towards the awkwardness when everyone else, you know, is evacuating. When you ask people, hey, um, you know, the number one fear is what? Public speaking, right? Speaking in front I mean, of a I crowd. I think Seinfeld once said number two is death. <laughs> which, which would be, you'd rather be you'd rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy, right? Um, it's easier to be in that casket. Oh, that's so true, man. I've spoken a couple you know, funerals too. Fuck that shit. And I'm one of the, I'm one of the people, one of the few people, man. That like I'm like give me give me an audience, 
and I'll and I'll fuck these motherfuckers up. Like I love exactly. it. I love it. You'll bring it. I live for it. Love it. We I'm do. We do. You, you feed off it, man. It's an energy, and it's hard to explain when either you have it or you don't, man. And it's from a young age. Obviously, you said you started when you were two. You know, Mike and I started doing acting in Shakespeare. We were very young, four well, or five years old. Talent shows too, right, Justin? Recycled Percussion was like a talent show back in 1995, right? That's like the first. Yeah, that's, first. that's when we first started a talent show. Yeah. But I was doing talent shows in middle school, doing other things, and Right. Um, you know, selling tickets. I would make up tickets with my crayons and sell them to my family to come in the basement and watch me play when I was like eight. Now you guys are the same shit, right? Come to my show. Yeah. You put on a fucking show's living room. That's what yeah. entertainers do. Um, That's exactly what out. we did. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't. We had the twin that. angle. No. You know, some of the qualities that that I have, like, so I have a lot of deficiencies. Uh, there's a lot of things that I have. A lot. Of, I have a lot of inadequacies. Um, I'm a terrible student. I, I've never finished a book. I, I mean, there's a lot of things to me that make me, uh, you know, um, uh, different, but I also have a lot of things that, that I was born with that are great gifts. Right. So we talked earlier about the ADHD. Uh, I've learned how to turn that into a, a powerhouse. I'm able to work multiple businesses at a time. My brain functions at a very high level. I can see combinations of numbers very easily. Um, but, but in a lot of ways, I mean, I'm born with the gift to go on stage and perform, uh, and, and do keynotes. I don't rehearse. I don't have to script. Uh, everything I can do is, you know, is, and a lot of that's because the things I talk about, I stay in my safe zone. I stay in what I talk, you know, I'm like, I want to inspire people to have a better life. Um, and when you're passionate about that, when you're passionate about any subject, public speaking becomes a lot easier, right? Because you're, you're just sharing the information that you have and you're also right. sharing your experiences uh, and, and facts that you don't want. Absolutely. No, uh, I wanted to ask you, so who are, who are your favorite drummers? Who are your inspiration? Um, who are your, you know, as drummers, as uh, okay. growing up or now, or where, where are you on this? Okay. So my daughter's name is Bonham and she's named after John Bonham. Okay. Uh, so we go, we, John Bonham, Keith Moon, Neil Peart. Now those three are going to be always in everybody's top three. Those are your three of the five greatest rock drummers of all time. It's unequivocal. It's undeniable. <laughs> When you start getting beyond that, um, once you're out of the obvious ones, ones are a little bit different to me. That like Stuart Copeland from The Police, I like a lot. Um, He's one of my favorites too. Carter uh, from Dave Matthews is great. Um, but then there's just a bunch of guys. Like there's just guys that I like. You can find something. It's like it's like people, right? Like you can find somebody something great. You can find a great quality in everybody. You can be like ah. I don't care for that person, but they're actually really good at this. Every drummer, at, for some part, ooh, I like the way he plays that one. It's like the easiest beat, but he plays it nice. Or, you know, or certain records or certain albums I'll hear, I go, ooh, I like the drumming on that album. I don't necessarily like the right. band, but that album is really good. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, no, it hits you. It absolutely hits you in, in certain ways. And, and yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Stuart Copeland. I mean, he, he, a lot of people don't know, he did a lot of soundtracks, you know, starting in the 80s, even when the police were still going. And, uh, I mean, he went over to Africa and hung out with Ginger Baker when he was doing his thing over there. And, and uh, yeah, Stuart Copeland is, is unbelievable. And a lot of people don't know, his father was one of the founders of the CIA, which is interesting. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and his, his brother Miles was a, 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 band, a band manager in the 70s and 80s. And, uh, yeah, no, Cop Copeland's awesome. I never got to see the police. They, they last played, I, love, I think. I love three-piece bands. They have well, to be I, good. I you got to be good. The police will come back. Stray again, cats. Right? 
I think so. I think the police, uh, yeah, Andy's still going. He's actually the guitarist, Andy's almost 80, but he's, you know, I mean, no. Sting, yeah, dude, he's like, Andy he's like, that old? he's 78 years old. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's that old. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's not up on, he's really um, underrated. And a lot of the guitar players in three-piece bands are – so Alex Lifeson from Rush, he's the underrated one, right? Um, some of my favorite bands, a band called King's X, three-piece band. These are great bands that people don't hear a lot about. Um, Grand Funk Railroad, another great three-piece band. Um, there's a lot of – I mean, Green Day is a great three-piece band, right? So um, there's a lot right. of good three-piece bands. I feel like sometimes there's always one guy in a three-piece band that gets, un, you know, uh, underrated. Um but Andy Summers is certainly that guy in, in the police. But yeah. with the stray, stray cats are a three piece, right? Stray cats, yes. yeah. Brian Setzer, yep. yeah. Love the stray cats. Dude, he's, yeah, got, yeah, like, he's, like, he's, just, got a, he's just got a hey, symbol hey, and a. And you're really got to jump jiving. Well, that's Brian Setzer's orchestra. Yeah. Uh, no, straight cat. Yeah, three piece man, and uh, yeah, it's uh, the the adage that you know, simple is better sometimes, man. I mean, and and, and like with you, with your ethos, she you go out there with stuff you can find in the dump, you know, tr trash cans. I mean, wh where where did that come from uh, when you guys were, were getting going? Like you just stuff around the house, or what was it that you wanted to kind of differentiate, do something different than like a regular drum set? So there was back in the day, you buy VHS tapes. Um... And there was this concert called the Buddy Rich Memorial Scholarship Concert. When Buddy Rich passed away, there's a scholarship that went out every year that his daughter Kathy set up. And this scholarship um, went that year to a 14-year-old young man. His name was um, Larry Wright. And Larry Wright uh, was this incredible uh, bucket drummer from New York City. He was 14 years old, African-American kid. And on the video, the, the live, so basically you buy a, a VHS tape. And on there, it had performances from Will Calhoun from Living Color, um, Neil Peart from Rush, um, Steve Smith, uh, Marvin Smitty Smith. Like it. I had, I had uh, Dave Wackel, um, you know, Vinnie Caliuda, all the great drummers were on there. And then they all play a, you know, they all play a Buddy Rich song. And then at one point in the video, this kid named Larry Wright gets up and brings out two buckets. He plays on. I was like, that is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So uh, fast forward, uh, I'm on a school field trip in New York City. I'm going to see Phantom of the Opera with, the, with my high school band. And I see Larry Wright on the street playing drums. I lost my nice. shit. I thought it was the coolest thing. This is before technology, before the internet. Uh, we went back to Goffstown High School. I said, let's not play regular drums. I grabbed two friends that were not good drummers. I taught them how to play drums. I went in my dad's garage, stole some trash cans. We only were ever going to play one show. We had no idea we'd ever play more than that one show. It was just for the high school talent show. We named it Recycled Percussion because we didn't have a name, and it seemed obvious. Uh, we did a five-minute routine. We finished in second place. We lost to a juggler. Uh, his mom was one of the judges. It was a total scam. Inside and, job. Inside job. <laughs> yeah, inside job. And then, uh, I mean, the rest, the rest is history. I mean, if we knew we were going to be this big, we would have had a better name. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, now we've kind of, the show since we got to Las Vegas has certainly evolved into a much broader performance. I mean, we play so much music and so much comedy. And there's so many great elements to our show. Like it's an experience more than anything at this point.
Yeah, it's like a. I mean, you guys are a brand. You got T-shirts. Um, you know, at the stores, you have a, uh, um, you know, swag, of course, and you've got um, a, a mental health box in Keen. Talk talk about the installation in Keen when you were with the acoustics and what that's all about. Yeah. So whenever we, you know, where do you guys live, by the way? Peterborough. Peterborough, New Hampshire. Okay. So right near the town hall. Have you ever heard of uh, Jordan's Furniture? Oh yeah. So Jordan's Furniture, right? Hi, Jimmy Love. Jimmy Love. Jimmy Love's here in the background. If you're listening, what's Jimmy? Up, Jimmy, how you doing, brother? It's, Good, brother. What's up? It's past his bedtime. Get your ass to bed. Okay. <laughs> we love you, Jimmy Love. You're a rock love star. You. We have Thank a, you. We have a parade in the morning. I'll see you in the morning. Show me your tattoo. Yeah. Let's see that ink. What? Uh, you see it? Not, uh, there it oh, is. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. CK. CK. <laughs> what does that stand for? TK, what's it stand for? Chaos and kindness, baby. Chaos and kindness, baby. You're missing a B. <laughs> in a world so, full of chaos, it's important to be kind. So, yeah. So, back back in the day, uh, uh, you know, Jordan's Furniture, they knew early on that shopping for furniture has to be the most mundane, boring experience that anybody, especially kids, who are getting dragged out on a Sunday afternoon to a shopping for a futon with their parents could ever experience. So Elliot um, and Barry, who were the owners of, of Jordan's Furniture, were very smart. They wanted to start creating experiences within their store that would be the primary reason why you went there. And secondarily, oh, well, you're here, check out the furniture. So I helped Elliot uh, along the way design a couple of his stores in my early 20s. Elliot actually funded our, our America's Got Talent. He gave us $100,000 and don't pay me back. Create some really cool shit. So we have a great friendship with Elliot. Um, wow. In fact, I was talking to him yesterday. Uh, what but, about the one the one in Natick on Route 9? Did you work on yeah, that one? Yes, that's the one. Nice. So That's where we're from. Okay. So <laughs> originally I, uh, from Framingham. From Framingham originally. So I took that idea and said, okay, if we're going to do show, if we have stores with clothing in it, we have to have arcade games and things for people to do and i also want to make sure you know we're, we're half tommy lee half ellen right we're, we're, we're rock band guys we have these huge hearts so we have to have that same feel in our stores so our stores are very much like an experience so you go there it was a big thing we have ski balls and papa shots and games and things that people can do but there's also this element to it that's in the mental health realm where there's this sixty thousand dollar soundproofed igloo that's inside the store that you can sit in and it's just this, this kind of vibe. And it's really basically just like a, a room with a TV in it with some sound, but it creates this kind of like campfire vibe within the store that's always playing a 20 minute video that I made about, about um, mental health. So that's kind of, those kind of things are really exciting for us in these stores as we grow our brand. Uh, and we're just getting started guys. Like we're gonna really, we're gonna really fuck some shit up over the next five years. Uh, you know, we got some big ideas. We're doing some really cool things, but it's all in the spirit of like, making a difference in the world and doing cool things. Hell yeah. Right. And I, I love that. I love this. I love, I love that. It's a great ethos. It's just, it's, um, I think it's, a, it's a mix. And we got, we have a, uh, a comment, uh, from someone that says capitalism is rather natural. I'd say sounds like capitalism, but I think, it, I think it's capitalism with a heart though, and a consciousness, right. With, with, with conscious an emphasis on giving back. Well, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, we, but we start, I think, from our brand, uh, if you're talking about chaos and kind of specifically, uh, we, you know, so we have, our, here, look at the ecosystem. We have a TV show. 
which we've done 77 episodes now, 100% pro bono. We've never been paid for our TV show. Uh, everything that we see on the TV show, all the things that we do for people, uh, all comes from the sales of our products. So other companies, you know, would you rather support a brand like Chaos and Kindness, uh, which is doing a lot for the communities and thinks community first, um, and or the gap? We don't know what the fuck's happening. It's just, it's just massive. Just and I'm not right. knocking that but, shit. Yeah. Saying, if you're gonna support one or the other, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, of course, anything's a business. But if you look back at our lineage, like we were doing casting kind of three years before we ever even sold a fucking hoodie. Like our, we're like, oh, okay, we can bring people together with this, but we have to fund this stuff somehow. Then, then we're gonna we keep like, it going. Yeah. But then yeah. we also like we have the best clothing and the softest stuff, and like I mean, but now I got this passion for like how do you create like, yeah, half of it's business. Like you go, yeah, I'm a great businessman, but. But I also want to do really cool things for people. So let's build a store in Laconia and Keene and like not do it in places that we could make a lot of money. Um, but do it more for like and find that spirit. So you are trying to juggle that all the time. It's you're a balance. Trying to, trying to be true to who you are. Uh, but you've also got tons of employees to pay and their families. Keep the lights on. Yeah, you've got to you have to find yeah. that balance, of course. And you you guys, I, I don't know if this is I think this might be true. All your stuff is is or as much as you can is actually made in New Hampshire as far as shirts and yes. and a lot of your products are actually yeah, the clothes, help. the clothes, I think the clothes are made in California, the actual t-shirt, but everything is printed in New Hampshire. Printed in New Hampshire. Yeah. 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 New, New Hampshire does not have any textile mills anymore. We don't have any, but all of our stuff is, is, is printed in New Hampshire. Uh, even though it costs us about 20% more than if we're going to like some big, there's some big places you can go to and other states have massive warehouse, you know, Big companies that can print this stuff off fast. Uh, the companies that we that that we are using in New Hampshire uh, rely on us to stay in business. Um, so I mean, everything I would say ninety percent of the stuff that you see in our store has come from New Hampshire in some way. That's awesome. You gotta love that. That's that's granite strong right there. Yeah. So so I mean during during some of your shows in in Vegas or wherever it is, who who were some of the most interesting people who have wanted to come to your show and like meet you afterwards or come backstage and be like, I want to talk to these guys. What has been like some moments where it was like an awe moment where you met somebody and you were like, holy shit, I can't believe this guy or this person or woman wanted to come and see me and I'm meeting them right now. Well, we had a lot of frequent guys. Um, Vinnie Paul from Pantera, uh, the general from Pantera, uh, rest in peace, would come to our show regularly. Uh, he was a big one. Um, Joey Fatone from NSYNC was at a lot of our shows. Uh, he oh, really? To play with us. Uh, Carrot Top, good friend of ours, um, but a lot of people. Uh, you know, it was every every weekend. It was a so and so was in town, or you know, I mean, it's we get your tickets to the show. Uh, it, there was, I mean, ten years of it, so you know, four thousand shows. Uh, right. We had a lot of people that, that would come to our show. Um, a lot of musicians, right? A lot of actors. Um, let's see. Uh, one of my favorites was Jeffrey Ross, the comedian. Oh, oh, uh, above him. The uh, roast master himself. Yeah, the roast master. So he came to our show. So we we had we've had a lot of people uh, come to our show. We've we, we befriended a lot of those people. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable the people you meet in your travels. And, and I I think for me, my, one of the most surreal moments was when I I was hired by a Massachusetts state senator to roast Governor Charlie Baker and the mayor of Boston, Marty Walsh, and he he had me come as Trump and be there for a St. Patrick's Day uh, event. Um, down in um, Charlestown, Mass, at a, at a uh, Knights of Columbus where JFK was a member when he was around. And I was just da got down there early and just kind of looking around the place. And I was like, wow, I'm here performing for, for all these people. I'm going to be on a, on a, a dais with like some of the most influential and powerful power brokers in, in Massachusetts politics. So 
there's definitely surreal moments. And, and I was, I was uh, up there with uh, Marty Walsh next to me and uh, Charlie Baker. So sometimes you pinch yourself. You're just, you know, a kid from New Hampshire who's, who's chasing the dream and, and, and wanting to just perform and, and do really cool things and, and amazing things like that happen. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got, um, what is the, what was the first big gig that you got and or got like a good paycheck and like, Oh, okay. This is, this is real. Right. right. This is <laughs> exactly. So where it really was like ridiculous and surreal was when actually Donald Trump himself saw me at one of his events at the Verizon wireless in, in Manchester. And, and he, he pointed me out, it was 5,000 people there. And he pointed me out and called me to the front of the stage in front of everybody. And he went, he went, Oh no, look at this guy. Do I really look like that? Tell me this isn't Trump, you know? And, and, and Wait, were you um, dressed up like him? I was dressed like him. Yeah. I went, I went to the rally dressed like him. Um, just, just to get it, just he to or you like it. He loved it. He laughed. There's a video of him just laughing. I, I made the dude laugh. And, um, Which he should have done more. Yeah, he looked over at Milani. He said, Milani, would you marry this guy? I don't know. Oh, but he's like, hey, man, that's great. Congratulations. I hope you make a lot of money doing this. So when Trump like gave me that shout out, I was on, I was on WMUR. I was on CNN. Um, I got on TV in Germany. I mean, so many, so much. It was just like a huge door. Trump opened a huge door for me. And what was, for, what was the most money you ever got paid to be Donald Trump? So for, for, I was actually paid by a t-shirt company to be there to do that. And that was $1,500, which was like, holy shit. That's, a, that's, that's just, to, just to be a clown and wear this outfit. <laughs> but, cat. Yeah. The Trumpy cat shirt, but to, to like perform that I was hired where I finally I, well, when Trump said, I hope you make a lot of money doing this. I'm like, dude, I have to just roll with this. I have, I can do Donald Trump. I have a good impression of him. I'm now getting all this press, all this exposure. I'm going to offer my services as a Trump impersonator. So in during that time, I think probably was that gig in Chicago I told you about where the guy put me on a first class fl uh, flight to Chicago. Um, all my food and booze was comped. He paid me what I asked for and all my ground, all my ground transport and my travel. I think, you know, at the end of the whole deal, I probably made like three grand. So That's cool, man. I love that shit. Dude, dude, when you, <laughs> this is just something I do in the shower when I'm getting up in the morning and I'm just like, we're going to build a wall. We're going to make Mexico pay for, you know, you just got shit going through your head. And, 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 yeah. and all, all I did, I was crazy enough to just go fucking do it at the Verizon wireless in front of thousands of people and, and, and just, just not give a damn what anybody thought. And, and that's, that's what ended up happening, man. And, and, and it took off. And it just it led to so much, so many gigs and opportunity. And as of June, I'm still dressing like Trump. I had two really big gigs in June. Uh, Atkinson Country Club. I went to a 60th party and, and roasted a bunch of people. And then uh, Anderson Window, the corporate corporate gig, they hired me to come roast a sales meeting and paid paid me really good good money. And uh, you just got to be open to the opportunity. So. It, it, it is, it is, you know, money's great, man. It, it, it's amazing when people will pay you a really, you know, a pretty good amount, thousands of dollars for something that you just do naturally and just that you enjoy doing. And for me, yeah, the money's great, man, but, but it's the response and it's the give and take you get from the audience and the people when you're doing it. That, that is special. Yeah, totally. It, and uh, uh, Justin, uh, you guys recently were sent or, or I don't know when you, when you were awarded them, but you're you're an Emmy award-winning TV show, Chaos and Kindness. I mean, 
dude, a, a boy from New Hampshire, an Emmy winner. I mean, talk about what that's – is that surreal? Or like, what, is it just like, oh, it's a Wednesday. I got Emmys. Yeah, well, <laughs> really, that's what it's like. Um, this is my life now. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just picture like a bunch of people uh, that opinions are like assholes, right? So I just picture a bunch of people sitting in a room be like, ah, we'll give it to those guys. Like, it's just someone's opinion. I don't, I don't put too much stock in it. Um, I like to wake up and make a difference in the world. Uh, I don't need trophies. Uh, it's cool to get it. Um, you know, it's, it, it looks good on paper. It looks good on the shelf, but it doesn't really fucking mean anything. Still pretty fucking cool, though, man. I gotta say. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. It's cool. I mean, no, no, nobody just you know we and we won seven Emmys this year. It's not even just win Emmys. Like it's like, but but I but it's just not it's not what gets me up in the morning. No, I mean they don't they don't give those to the horror genre. And there's a lot of great horror films and horror television. So you know they've been trying to win Emmys for many years, but Chaos and Kindness has got those Emmys. So that's yeah. uh. That's awesome. Um, so, what's next for you? what's next for you? Can you give us a teaser for what you're, you you mentioned? You're just getting started, and I I believe that man. You're like a fucking jumbo jet taking off every day. I don't know where that so much energy, unlike Jeb Bush. Uh... Um, yeah, I think the next big thing um, that's cur- like in the short term, I think next week or in ten days. Uh, for the last few years, I wanted to bury myself underground for twenty four like hours. So that's going like to happen. David Blaine. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So there's a, being a there's a box being built right now for me. Um, we're all going to ground for 24 hours, six feet under with dirt and everything on top of me. Um, which that'll be interesting. That'll be that'll be to, that'll be to raise money for kids uh, for back to school clothes. Um, nice. Where are you doing that? Is that is that here in New Hampshire? Yeah, I think I'm gonna do it. I think I'm gonna do it in Keene. Oh. Let us know, man. We'll help promote promote it. We'll be there. That, that's be amazing. There. Help put the dirt on top. Get, get yeah. I'll, bring, I'll bring the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So that that and I think in the in the in the long term, you know, we're we're gonna open up a couple more stores, um, and we're gonna you know start to expand the brand. Uh, you know, we're we're all you know we're all over the the world, but I mean, like, we're gonna really start to expand the brand uh, beyond that. So. How, about, how about live shows? I know, obviously, with everything that's gone on, you guys haven't been able to do as many. Jimmy, love back for an encore. <laughs> Dude, go get your ass to bed. <laughs> yeah, right. Get your ass to bed. <laughs> Jimmy, anything you want, you got it. You got my bestest friend. So, <laughs> Jimmy has a talent. Like, I'm telling you, it's an actual talent. Like, if I get if I challenged you guys with this, you wouldn't be as fast. Like, I he, well, he's singing. So, Jimmy has Williams syndrome. So, if you're not, if you're listening to this and not watching this, next to me is my good friend Jimmy Love, who has Williams syndrome. Uh, and Williams syndrome is a, is a, is a uh, a genetic mutation of the chromosomes. Okay. So, anyways, that's your superpower, Jimmy. That's a superpower. his superpower. Is music so Jimmy's not good with trivia, right? No, I love music, but he's good with music. So, an example while he's singing a song of a band, I can say another band, and he can instantly change no matter what it is, improv and know the song. Like, watch, sing, sing Def Leppard. Love bites, love bleeds. You break him down, my Molly crew. Girls, girls, girls. <laughs> Keep going. Girls, yeah. The Beatles. When it's love, da, da, da. 
You look every face in the crowd. Mike, give him a song. Give him a band. The Beatles. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Beach Boys. Oh, right. Beach Boys. Beach Boys. Um, feel a vibration. Good vibration. Good. Brian Adams. Brian Adams. Everything I do. It's instantaneous. <laughs> Uh, electric Light Orchestra. Electric. ELO. No, I'm sorry, bro. I don't know. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's beautiful. That's awesome. That's freaking that's beautiful, skill. man. To be able wow. to ship that quick? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's got it. He's got he's it, got, man. He's got it down. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. That's awesome, man. You know, it, it's um, when we were younger, we, we used to have a fantasy about having a thing we called the Hit Factory, which is just a creative space for music, for art, for comedy, for podcasting, writing, whatever, you're doing that in New Hampshire, man. And and my hat's off to you, man. There's always haters. It's not an easy world, business-wise, anything-wise to do. So, just you know, keep going with that, man. You got our love and support, and uh, it's it's just so fucking cool to see, man, here in New Hampshire. No, no, you thank know? you guys. Thanks for having us on. And and I'll tell you, it's um, there's if you don't have haters, it means you're not doing something right. Like that's because what those people, as you guys get more success and as you guys grow, it's easy. Like there comes a certain point. It's like the Dave Matthews syndrome where like everybody loved Dave Matthews until they didn't love Dave Matthews. And it's like, it's like once everybody likes him, then nobody likes him. Again. It's like people want to see you go up. They want to see you fail, but they want to see you come back again. Like then it's like, it's, it's not cool to let the guys that are cool. And then, so to me, like it's, 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 it's 2% of people, man. They just so, and like, you can't focus whether you're famous or not, you can't focus on those kind of individuals in the world. Um, because they're, they're not, they don't love themselves. Like, I feel bad for those people. Like, you don't even know, like if somebody hated on me and I don't even know who they are, that means they're, they're so worried about my life. And I don't even know who they are. So right. think about how, how lopsided that is. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't waste yeah. my time going to their Facebook page and be like, Hey man, or, you know, Hey, you know, Hey, here's some negative shit. Um, so I, I just think, I think that like in the world we live in, it's a lot easier to take the high road and show kindness, um, and just try to understand that everybody's going through a battle. Um, yeah, I've got a cool house. I've got nice cars. I've, I've worked my ass off, man. I came from nothing. I did it the right way. If you're ever going to root for a success story, I'm not just saying that we are the success story. We did not get handed shit. Right. So I tend to, I tend to, I'm a big NASCAR fan and I tend to go, it's a very expensive sport. So I tend to root for the drivers that had nothing and did it the right way instead of the kids that have dads of money. Not that I like the, like the people anymore, but I'm like, because I grew up having a tough life, I tend to support those who did it the right way because I know in my heart that I've done it the right way. Yeah, and you're sponsoring a, a, a NASCAR in New Hampshire right out of Loudon now, right? You guys are one of the sponsors? Well, we sponsored for, for, uh, for a driver. And the, and the, yeah, the big circuit, uh, the races in Pocono, that was, a, that was really cool. Uh, it was a lifelong dream, so... Um, if you ever got tens of thousands of dollars just to piss away, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> you, you, you could bury it in a treasure chest too, right, Justin? You could, yeah, you could, that could be 20 grand. You yeah. could try and do something nice and bury it in a treasure chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, see, and, and that'll still backfire. I could, hide, I could hide a million bucks and people would still bitch me and tell me that I hit it in the wrong place, no matter what you do. Justin, I, I got to get your hot take on John Mayer. Oh yeah, uh, incredibly underrated. Have you heard his new album, Sob Rock? I have not. Dude, do you like Yacht Rock? Do I like what? Yacht Rock. What the hell's that? Yacht Rock's like Hall and Oates, Doobie Brothers, um, Steely Dan. 
Highly, Steely Dan, highly, Steely Dan, highly, Brothers. I like Michael McDonald's other stuff, but like, yeah, huge Steely Dan fan. Mike, Mike, Mike do Michael McDonald for Justin. <laughs> yeah, I'm all baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's Michael. Yeah, just had some white hair and a piano. We we yeah. took we took our mom to see Michael McDonald at the Colonial Theater in Keene, where you played many times. Yeah, uh, for Mother's Day a couple years ago, and it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Yeah, he's amazing. But John Mayer, um, from a guitar standpoint, is incredibly underrated. Uh, he uh, he is a phenomenal guitar player. I love. He's one of my favorites, man. I love John Mayer. I, I defend him to my dying breath. People fucking bitch. They don't fucking know. They, they don't even. They have no. <laughs> dude. Anytime there's a good looking dude that slays it and gets tons of chicks, we have to hate on him. But that's that's just we're jealous. Even if he's good. Even yeah, if he's I good. Could, I could look at it and go. That's a that's a good looking guy, right? Yeah. That's oh. a good looking dude. Man, man crush. Man crush to the nth on yeah, on John Mayer. Man crushes, man. It, mean, it means that you fucking you're alive, baby. You're alive. Like, you admire the guy. Sure, with who you are. I, I love too, Justin. How um, with Roy Small, man, that that whole story is beautiful. We we don't have to get into that if you don't want to. But um, I miss my grandfather. I know you saw him as a, a new grandfather in your life that you loved with all your heart. Um, you brought Roy Orbison back. I mean, Roy, I Orbison's, Roy Orbison's one of my favorite artists. And uh, whether it's his, you know, the class of 1955 with Elvis and Carl Perkins and Johnny Cash and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, his stuff with the Traveling Wilburys, his last album produced by Jeff Lynne from ELO, Mystery Girl. Um, that was just fucking awesome, man, to see that. Just Yeah, we, we, we miss Roy. Um, you know, uh, Roy's a great story. Uh, the greatest stories that we have of kindness didn't cost us a penny. You know what I'm saying? And they came out of nowhere, unexpectedly. But, yeah, but, I mean, like, Jimmy Love, he's been in my house for 18 months. He hasn't left. Now I love Jimmy, but it's not—it's not an easy gig. He's like the Cato Kalin of New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Cato Kalin was going on nine years old, right? So he's, he's hanging like, out. He's—he's—he's he's, he's, his brain is like a nine-year-old. So every day it's brush your teeth, wear your mask. So you can't do that. Like he's like another kid. You're like a surrogate like father for him. He's yeah. the, the son I never had. That's amazing. That's awesome. So. Uh, before we close out, people are Mike are looking for some kind of beatbox duet here. They're looking for because oh. Justin, you're a good beatboxer. Yeah. Okay. Mike, we are too. We can beatbox. I mean, what do you think? Okay, I'll lay down the beat. You guys do how you want over it. Okay. All right. You you can get in the middle too, Jimmy. Here we go. Mike, Mike, do do some space for Justin, Mike. Hold on, you got to hear this, Justin. Listen. This is like a space techno noise. It's like. He's good. He's really good. Uh. Uh. I love that. Hey, you inspired us, man. Way better than me. No, no, no. Like, like, I'm like Kurt Cobain, and you're like John Mayer. 
I get the credit because because I'm like you know people know me, but you're like John, like you're you know you're you, Steve you Thaw, and I'm like fucking Kurt Cobain oh, over man. here. You did that shit in China, man. My dream is to do it in China one day <laughs> in front of a people in an Apple. I, I just was happy. I was happy at five seven. You were one of the tallest guys around. That's all I was talking about. <laughs> but hey, guys, thanks for having me on. You guys are amazing. Um, thanks, Justin. We love you, you, man. Come see me when I get buried underground, and we'll catch up with you guys in person someday, sometime soon. We will absolutely, right. man. Th absolutely. Thank you, Justin. It's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Aloha, rock and roll, baby. Peace and love, right. baby. Thanks Granite for State forever. You, thanks, Take Justin. Care, guys. Have a good one. Thank okay, you. Bye. That was Justin Spencer from Recycled Percussion and the hit Emmy award-winning TV show, Chaos and Kindness, out of New Hampshire, filmed entirely in New Hampshire. There you have it, folks. Something different. That was awesome. Wasn't hey, it people, people are wondering, Mike, are you twins? Are me and Justin twins or are you and I twins? I don't know. They didn't specify. Could be a cousin. I could be, you know, could be cousins. But that was a lot of fun, dude. What do you think, man? That was it was nice to do something different. Justin's awesome, man. What a sweet, what a sweetheart. What a talented dude. Not forgetting his roots, just uh, you know, keeping it real, man, and 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 chasing a dream. And I, you know, I, I know the stuff that we've done is on a way lesser scale than he has, but you under, you understand, you get some success, man, and pretty awesome. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. I mean, you know, he started at the family. He was saying. <laughs> Family gatherings like us, and then talent shows, which is, yeah. which is our trajectory. So, are we twins? They're wondering. Of course, we're twins. Yes, we're twins. Yeah, we're fraternal, though. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in to Jackman Radio. That was fun having Justin Spencer from Recycled Percussion. And if you haven't hit subscribe, hit subscribe to Jackman Radio. Tell all your friends. Find us all on social media. We're on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Jackman Radio. Podbean. We're everywhere. Spotify. Twitter. Yeah, we're still on Spotify. Yeah. Come on out. Yeah. This was fun. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care of each other and keep it real. Yeah.